do that. There, there it is. Thank you. That wasn't his one. That was me. That was me. Well, good morning. It is an honor to be here. And honestly, um, Pastor Craig kind of put the pressure on because um, we had talked earlier and he's saying how awesome the series has been and you're going to kind of wrap it all up. He says, so no pressure. And so feeling a little bit, but um, believe God does have something for you this morning. But before we get into that, I just want to honor you and your church. Um, Crossroads is is an amazing place, and uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's an amazing place due in part to Pastor Craig and the staff, but it's it's an amazing place of hope and healing because of you guys, so thank you for being that for this community. Um, it's, it's really fun to watch. I watch... Um, Pastor Craig, I kind of follow him, and it's, it's a little creepy, but, you know, just when you see a healthy place, it's good to just connect with and, and kind of watch and, and be a part of that, even from a distance, from the sideline, sometimes get to be here, and that's great. So, But I just wanted to say thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, and this is a healthy place, and you don't find that everywhere, so, so bless you for that. And um, my name is Gabe Mills. I am from Journey Church in Kenosha, and I know you had a couple of us journeyers already, and so hopefully um, they served you well. I know they did. Uh, amazing friends of mine, and, and I've heard it's been an amazing series, um, and I'm excited to just to be a part of that with you. My role at Journey, I'm one of the pastors there, but I also oversee our ministry college called Journey Ministry College. Uh, we partner with Southeastern University to deliver a four-year bachelor's degree pro- program and train people to be in ministry, and it's just a joy for me to, to be a part of that. Um, I've been at Journey for about 10 years now, and um, I am married. Last time Sarah was able to come with me, this time she couldn't make it, but uh, Sarah and I, that's my beautiful wife, we have been married for 15 years next week, and so um, love it. Yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful, and um, it's been a crazy adventure. Last time we were, we were with you, we had three kids, and now we have five kids. So that's the response I always get. In fact, uh, let me just introduce them to you first. But um, So in the middle there, that's Olivia. She is seven. And then uh, to her side there is Judah, and he is also seven, just one minute younger than Olivia, and she reminds of him it all the time. Um, and then we have Eleanor. She is five. And then on the two sides, we have Thomas and Harrison, and they're two. And so our life is full. It's a little bit crazy. Um, and... And just as the verbal response I got when I said five kids, I usually get one of two responses. Um, one, one time I was actually in the grocery store and I have all five of them with me while my wife was working and, and people will say, oh, you have your hands full. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Now I know why I'm stressed out and feel like I haven't slept in seven years. But no, if you have one kid, you know that being a parent is hard. You have your hands full and we just, we figure it out. But the other response I get is, man, what is it like having five kids? And it's usually like there's an emphasis. It's not like, what is it like having five kids? It's like, five kids. Like I'm from another planet or something, right? And to borrow a line from the great theologian and stand-up comedian Jim Gaffigan, he says, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. That's what having five kids is like. Um, And so, but... 
No, honestly, I love being a dad. There was something inside of me that God created to be a father. It is truly one of the joys of my life to, to be a dad. And, and I think four out of my five kids have my competitive nature, right? Um, Olivia is the only one. She is, has her mom's spirit. She's super sweet. She's my sweetness. And um, the rest of them uh, are very competitive like me. And Judah, our number two, um, Olivia's little brother by one minute, um, he came out, he came second in that race, right? And he has, he, ever since he's tried to be first, anything he does, he's like, I got to be first. Hey, it's time to get ready for bed. He's the first one in his jammies. Uh, we got to get, you know, got to eat your food. You got to eat dinner. He's the first one done. And he just, he has to be first. I think he's been making up for it ever since. And, and today, this morning, our, our title is On the Road to Victory. And I really think that's Judah's anthem is On the Road to Victory because everything that kid does, he's just, he's just got to, he's got to win. And um, it's been an amazing series. And that, in fact, I've gone back and listened to some of the messages and, and Pastor Craig, he is a preacher, you guys. Come on. Uh, last week, if you were not here, you need to go back uh, and listen to Pastor Craig's message. Um, phenomenal. Um, but it's been a great series. And, and today I want to just kind of wrap it all up. There's a lot of themes that we could have, a lot of ways we could have went with it. But I think that a lot of that got touched on. So we're going we're gonna to talk about victory, and I'm going to do my best to bring God's word to you this morning. But as we get to that, where are my competitive folks at in the room? Like, you're competitive. Come on. And wives, don't be elbowing your husband. Okay, we don't need to. All right, so we got some competitive folks that will admit it. But I know, I know you're all competitive. Like, I, I don't believe it. If you're, if you're not raising your hand, because you, no one says, I want to be last. No one says, I want to be the loser, right? Because winning is always better than not winning. And victory is always better than defeat. And, and some of you are like, hey, I'm not really that competitive. Yeah, until your favorite sports team is playing the big game. And then we just watch you as they win it. And you tell me you're not competitive, right? Or maybe you're not into sports and your favorite orchestra gets the standing ovation at the end, and you are losing your mind, right? And there's this, you're just like, yes! Um, or maybe you're, you know, that romantic comedy when the guy gets the girl at the end, or it's the drama, you know, the, the, when Mr. Darcy gets Elizabeth at the end, right? Yeah, don't tell me you're not competitive. You're watching that when your heart is pounding, um, or maybe you're one of the folks that watch ba The Bachelorette or The Bachelor um, all season long, and you're cheering that one person on to get the, get the rose at the end. And when they do, you're just like, yeah, you know, throwing popcorn. Uh, if you have kids, you are competitive, right? Well, my little Susie, when she, she was walking at three weeks old, I tell you, she's a smart one. Um, listen, I know, because I'm a dad of five kids, okay? You're competitive, right? Um, Judah was in swimming lessons uh, these past couple weeks, and they, they grouped them by skill level. And this is kind of the first introduction he's really had to, to swimming. We've been at pools and stuff, but we don't do it often, so he's not super comfortable in the water. And uh, he doesn't like to have his face in the water. And so in their group... The instructor orders them kind of most comfortable to least comfortable. 
And so there's kind of a hierarchy, right? And I'm, as a dad, I'm kind of watching this go down. And, um, and, so, and Judah's starting kind of on the other end where he's not super comfortable, but, but he's super smart and he loves to listen and, and figure things out. And so I'm watching him watch his instructor and, and day after day, it's every, it's every day, and I got to be there most of the days, he's moving up in rank. And I'm like, that's my boy. See, your kid is still sitting there in the end. But Judah, he's moving. Like, don't tell me you're not competitive because you are competitive. And it's, it's something inside of us. There's something wired in our nature to be competitive. And there were some psychologists at the National Academy of the Sciences that made a study of this, that, that it comes out of us in physical representations, um, this, this competitiveness. And, and what they did to see this is they studied a group of Olympians and Paralympians. And their responses to victory and their responses to defeat. And so they studied these Olympians and, and what do they do when they win? What do they do when they're standing on the podium? Right? And what do they do when they lose? Right? And so, so they see these responses of these Olympians and then they studied these Paralympians para who were blind from birth. They hadn't seen anyone respond to victory or defeat. And what did they do on the podium? What did they do when they won? Same exact thing. What did they do when they lost? Shame coming out in the physical representation. So these blind athletes did the exact same thing as their sighted counterparts. We all strive for victory. And admittedly, some of us take this to a whole nother level, and we're like overly competitive, right? Where are my overly competitive folks at? Okay. I got, no one wants to admit it, but I see a couple of wives going like this. Or, yeah, okay. So, so I'm one of those, right? And actually, for years, I, um, I wouldn't play games. Like, we would be out. Uh, at a gathering, or I just couldn't handle it. I would get too worked up, um, and I and I wouldn't and I wouldn't do it. And so, um, but I get competitive, or we get competitive over dumb stuff. And uh, one of my things is I hate driving. Like I just I, I hate it with a passion, and, and so I just want to be on the road as short of a time as possible. So I want to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. I don't care, you know, bending that speed limit a little bit, you know, cutting in and out, whatever. You know, I don't have my Journey Church bumper sticker on there, so it's all good. I don't have my Jesus fish on the back, so it's all good. Um, but the other thing that'll do, and this is, this is not an exaggeration. You guys are going to think I'm exaggerating. I, I race Google Maps. So when I left to come here yesterday... And I put in the address of my hotel, um, it said arrival time, 5.05, or whatever it was, right? I'm like, all right, let's see if we can make that 4.30, okay? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not kidding you, every time, sometimes when I'm going somewhere that I know, I will put in Google Maps just to see if I can get there quicker. <laughs> and Google has gotten sneaky, Okay, because it used to be that they once you put in that address and you hit start, that time would stay static, and it you know that arrival time would not change. Now, right, they're sneaky. It's a conspiracy against me. 
as you go, it adjusts, it adjusts that arrival time. So what I do is when I, first, when I first dial it up and I say, okay, 505, that's my time to beat. And like I have to take note of that time. So Google, you're not getting away with anything. I got you. I got you. But I posted this question, you know, what's the dumbest thing you've been competitive about on my Facebook? And I had a bunch of responses. And one of them was, uh, the guy said, when I was little, my sister and I would compete over who got to open the, jar, the new jar of peanut butter and, and use all the smooth peanut butter on the top, right? I'm like, okay, well, that's a little unhealthy competitiveness, all right? Um, someone from, I don't think he's in here, I won't say his name, Walter, are you in here? Um, <laughs> would talk about how he was competitive with his wife over Guitar Hero. So if you see Walter, don't tell him I told you, but, um, but that's me. And you can ask the middle schoolers who brought me in during winter, winter retreat. Um, they dragged me in for a game for the, for the big points, the outlaw game. I was one of the outlaws, and I, would, I did not give up, let me tell you. Um, so it's, it's inside there. But, but I've learned to temper myself, and I actually can enjoy some games now. And I bring that to our family. And, and I love playing games around the table. I want my kids to, to enjoy that and have that as we sit either at dinner or sometimes we put the little guys to bed and we come back and and we'll play Uno or um, we'll do like the memory game where you have the cards out or Silly Street, which is what we're playing in this video. And it's like you just, you pick a card and you have to do something silly and then you get to move some spaces. And and in that, I see me coming out in my kids in like terrible ways, right? (laughs) And they're like, they're not doing as well or they're losing. And I'm just like, whoa, cool it kid, right? But I still, like, I don't ease up. I don't let them win. There's not, that's not a thing. And my wife, she is super sweet. She'll be like, she'll remind me, Gabe, she's five years old. <laughs> Gabe, he's, he's only seven, right? It's just Silly Street. It's just Uno. And I will politely respond to her, listen, Sarah, At some point, they are going to have to learn to deal with the defeats that life hands them. Okay? Do you remember American Idol, like, uh, the, the, American, uh, the auditions, right? Because that's, I mean, I don't really watch the whole show, but you watch the auditions. Because there's these people that show up, they have no ounce of musical ability in their body, but they show up. Those are people whose parents let them win. That is not... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My kid's not going to end up on American Idol like that. I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> but, but if we're honest, and if I'm honest, it's not even about winning so much as it is about not losing. Like, I hate losing. It's like the worst. <laughs> because second place is really just the first. Yes, thank you. You agree? Yes. So <laughs> there, was a, there was a little league ball game, and one of the dads was talking to a lady whose son played on the same team as his boy, and, and she turns to him and says, well, you know, winning, winning isn't everything, and they were, they were getting beat quite heftily that Saturday morning, because that's when you say that, right? When you're not winning, well, winning isn't everything, and, and, and he said, yeah, you're right, and she says, uh, you have to learn how to lose as well as win. And she, he said, yeah, you're exactly right, but you know what? I like winning much better than what comes in second place. And she says, yeah, it's hard to beat that. 
And, and I just think that victory beats defeat every time. And as I said, there's something wired inside us to win, to, to, to have victory. And I think that that is because our God is a God of victory. Our creator is a God of victory. And we were created, imago Dei, in his image. Now, there's fallen nature, and we kind of twist that around, and we get ourselves in trouble. But there's a desire in us, and I don't think that's completely unhealthy. I think there's that desire to have victory because our God is a God of victory. And and I want to go to to Joshua chapter 10 this morning for our text to kind of help us on the road to victory. And this is the passage where the sun stands still, and, and I think that's epic and awesome, but there's more to this passage. There's more to the story than the sun standing still in this amazing prayer. And I want to pull some of that and encourage us in that because I think most of us want to win the battles we face in life. And maybe we can take some cues from Joshua this morning. And so the first part of that chapter is, is kind of setting up for what's about to happen. And um, word has spread that Israel has decimated um, these couple cities and that one of these other great cities that kind of everybody fears got scared and went to Israel and made a peace treaty with them and, and so these kings, there's one king in particular, he's getting nervous about what's going to happen and like we're next kind of a thing and so he sends word to four other kingdoms and he says listen we got to get together and we got to deal with this problem because we will be next on that list. And, and so, so they, these five kingdoms rally um, together, and they go after this city that made peace with Israel, and they were like, we'll kind of take them out first, we'll pick them off, and then we'll go for the big guns, right? And so they encamp at Gibeon, which is this city that made peace with, with Israel and with Joshua, and they get there, and they're ready to wage war, and so Gibeon sends word to Joshua and says, listen, uh, we made peace with you, we made a treaty with you, and we're in trouble. We need your help. Come to our rescue. And just on a side note, if you go back and read Joshua 9, um, Joshua got himself into this mess by not listening to the Lord. And I want you to just kind of keep in the back of your mind, it's not the point for today, but see how God responds to Joshua's mess. Not, not God set this up, but God responds, even though this isn't his fault. This isn't something he called him to do. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, so so he called, they called um, Joshua, and so verse 7, it says, So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And so the Lord said to Joshua, this is his response, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came up upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them down with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as these two places. I'm not going to try to pronounce because then I'm going to butcher them. Um, And they fled before Israel. While they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw large stones upon them, just took them out. And it says that God took out more, st- more of these, these uh, army, the enemy, with these hailstones than, than the Israelites actually took out with the sword. Pretty awesome. And it says, at the time, so during the midst of all of this going on, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. 
And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day? There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned with all of Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Now, I love this passage. It's probably one of my favorite battle scenes. Like, I hope that the creators of Gladiator and Braveheart get together and make Joshua chapter 10, you know, and just like this epic war movie, right? But I think we get lost in this sun stand still prayer, which there's so much we can, we can gain in our faith from that moment, but there's more to it. There's more to this, this war scene, this passage, this battle, this road to victory. So I want to go back to verse 8, and it said, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them in your hands. Before they left, before they marched all night, before he prayed the sun stand still, God gave him the victory. And so this is the first point this morning on the road to victory. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. We have to understand that. Because for me, I think, you know, it's kind of cute, and we kind of get this overly competitive, and we play games, and, and it's, it's funny and all that stuff, but when it bleeds over to our spiritual life, it becomes a real issue. Because for me, in my past, and where I've been, like, I have something to prove. It's just me, and I'm working through it. But a lot of times when I get in a battle, instead of going to the Lord, who do I go to? I go to me. I need the victory. I need the win. By my strength, by my steel, by my brains, by my cleverness, which I'll just let you in is not all that great, okay? Um, But it's not a road to victory, it's a road to pain. And we need to understand that victory takes coming to an end of ourselves. When we give our battles to God, it's over before it starts. And coming back to the study of of the responses of victory, right? This is it. Yes. Is it a coincidence that this is also the universal sign of surrender? I don't think it's a coincidence, folks, that this is victory and this is also surrender. Could it be that God hardwired that in? Probably, yeah. Yeah. God, I, I have the victory because I'm giving it to you. Yeah. Now, does this, this doesn't mean that it's going to be easy because if you've, been, if you've been on the road at all, you know that it's not. And it, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that there won't be action required on our part, which brings us to the second point here. Not only is the battle not ours, it's the Lord's on the road to victory, but the road to victory is paved in prayer and captured through combat. I want you to see that, you know, we see the sun stand still prayer in um, verses 12 and 13, if you can throw that on there. And so he spoke and he, he called it out. He prayed this audacious prayer. But the prayer wasn't, God, would you smite my enemies? Would you just open up the earth and swallow them? Because I know you can do that, right? 
He didn't even pray for the hailstones. That was just like an added bonus. What did he do? He asked for more time to win the battle. More time after marching all night and fighting a full day and seeing the sun is going to go down, so fighting another full day. All night march, two days straight battle. That's what he prayed for. And we see in, in before he prays this prayer, we see that taking place. That, that Joshua shows up ready to fight and he pursues them. He could have he said, man, they're on the run, battle over, we sure showed them, didn't we? We can go home now. No. He said, the battle's not over. I'm going to pursue my enemy and God, would you help me? Would you give me more time to get the job done? And I think a lot of times we kind of just, and, and hear me on this, I'm not saying that there's not a time and place where God gives you peace to walk away from something. I, I believe that's the case sometimes. But a lot of times there's, well, it's just, I guess it's just in God's hands. Well, whatever the co- outcome, well, I guess it's just a closed door. No, man, kick that door down and march through it. Go after him. Pursue the enemy. Finish the job, but go with God. Go prayed up. Spend the time on the knees and then go get after it. I mean, what if Jesus took that approach? We just well, it's kind of hard. I don't know if that whole cross thing is going to work out for me. I don't know this whole death thing. It's, it's a little, little much. No. What did he do? He walked that road of pain and suffering, died, went to hell, kicked some tail, grabbed the keys, and came back. And all throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus as an example. Why should this be any less? Why do we get the feeling that, well, it's just too hard. God, it's just in your hands. I'm saying, God, it is in your hands, but I'm going to do everything in my power to push forward. God, I need you to show up, but you better believe I'm showing up as well. And, And listen, I get it. I mean, you're in the job that is just sucking the life out of you. And you just can't, you can't handle another day. The boss that just, he doesn't see where you're at. He doesn't see who you are. He just, he's not appreciative of you. And you're just like, God, I just can't do another day. Keep pushing forward because the victory is coming. Maybe you're in the marriage and you're just like, Gabe, I, you don't know where I'm at. He doesn't want to make it work. He wants to walk away, and just to be honest, I'm tired, and I'm ready to walk away too. Don't give up. Continue to push forward. You're a parent, and you're like going, Gabe, you have five kids, but you don't have a teenager yet. They're monsters. You don't understand. I I understand what it's like to be in the battle, because those five kids... I don't know if you did the math. Some of you probably did. Sarah and I have been married for 15 years, and our oldest is seven. We were like just any young married couple. We'd wait a year and start having kids, right? 
We were, got to the end of that year and we were ready. We were ready to have kids. The world wasn't ready for what we were about to bring into the world, but we were ready. And one year turned into two of trying to have kids. Turned into doctor visits and disappointments and tears and something you never picture for yourself. Turned into a battle. And I will tell you, I remember getting in my car after work or after a disappointment and just driving and through just yelling at God, God, what are you doing? What is your problem? I remember sitting on the couch watching the news with my wife and the news story, the headline story was about a woman who gave birth to a child and didn't want it and put it in a dumpster. And I'm going, God, what is going on here? I want a child. You've, you've given me this, this father's heart. What are you doing? Talk about, I get it. I get being in the battle. But in those sessions of just yelling at God, and listen, God's big enough to handle our doubts, and God's big enough to handle our fears and some of that anger. <laughs> He's big enough. And I would end with, God, I don't, I don't understand what you're doing but I don't have a choice but to trust you. So I get it. And, and just a little parenthesis here, I don't, for some of you who have suffered the defeats, and you, you've maybe lost someone to, to sickness or, you know, or you, a marriage, a relationship, and you, you've walked through the road of defeat, I don't, I don't have an answer for you this side of heaven. I don't. That's what makes God, God, and me human. But I do know that your road to victory can be God's peace. And, and I will just go back to Pastor Craig's message last week. And if you haven't, I, I highly encourage you. And if you have, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it again. But it's this prayer, it's this exclamation in Habakkuk 3. I don't get it, God. Yet, that word yet, right? Yet, I will praise you. And that will be your victory. And that will be your peace. And and the other thing I'll just say with this too is God has used our pain that we went through. Never would I have imagined But we've been able, my wife and I have been able to pray for so many couples that are going through the same thing. And if you're here this morning, come find me. I would love to add you to that list. I'd love to pray with you. Um, You know, we'll connect you with my wife and ladies and all that stuff. But (sighs) victory comes through peace sometimes. And I don't want you to, whether you're on the road and you're just needing peace or you're in the biggest battle of your life, I don't want you to think you're alone because that's the enemy's greatest trick to pull you aside, to pull you off, to to separate you out and say, you're you're the only one going through this. Everyone else's life is perfect. You've seen Instagram. Everyone has a perfect life. It's just you. You're the only one suffering with this. God doesn't like you. I don't know. And he, and he gets us alone. And so the road to victory, it's not a game of solitaire. It's team warfare. We have to get this. We are so much better together. 
And in fact, you weren't meant to fight battles alone. And this isn't the passage to preach from, but there's a story in Exodus, uh, Exodus 17. And, and Moses, we see the victory pose. He's standing on the mountain, and as long as he's holding the victory pose, his, his team is winning the battle. But Moses gets tired, and, he, and his hands go down. He gets tired in the battle. And in the midst of that, they begin to lose. And so people come around him. Aaron and her, they come around him and they say, take a seat, old man. They give him a chair and they pull up his arms and then say, we got this for you. And they hold his arms in the air and Israel wins the battle. Here's the thing. Pull up that slide for um, Joshua uh, verse, verse 7. Verse 7. Look at this. It didn't say that Joshua went on his own to fight the battle. It says Joshua went up from Gilgal he and all the people of war and all the mighty men of valor. He didn't go by himself. He took everyone with him. I mean, he got his army and then went to battle. Who's your army? Who's coming around you? You have Life Group Connect today? Man, if you're not in a Life Group, that's a great way to find an army. Just throwing that out there. Our life group, when we were going through these years of, God, what are you doing? They were were huge fighting that battle for us. And we, they didn't even always know what to say because none of them went through that. But they were there. They were there to listen. They didn't know what to say, but they were there to, to give hugs. They were there to let somebody cry, you know, let us cry to them. And they got us through the battle. We're not meant to do this alone. We need to share the load. And I'll say this, for those of you that are in a season of victory, because I believe a lot of you are, and I thank God for that. Who are you helping? Who's, who's going to be the, the person that you're going to be their mighty man? of valor. You're going to be their mighty woman of valor. You're going to show up and hold their arms up. There's kind of this funny little video illustration I wanted to, just kind of illustrates this idea of coming around one another and, and supporting each other in the battle. So take a look at this video real quick. Here comes the runner. You? Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Hey, could I run with you? Yeah. Can I just join your jog? I'm just about done, but I'll go with you to the end. Okay. I'm Asia. Morgan. Nice to meet you, Morgan. 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 30 seconds. They're coming towards you, station one. First sign's going up. Now. Is that your name?
See what you said there? I was going to quit. And I wish that the battles we kind of faced in life were that fun. They're not. But there is something about having somebody cheering you on that will give you the energy to finish. I ran cross country in high school, and my wife's uncle was also a cross country runner, and he would go to the course, and he would go far away where, all the, where the crowds were not. And all of a sudden, I'd be like running around like just dying. And he would be like, and all of a sudden, I'd just hear him, Gabe, you get your butt moving. You got this. You got this. You got And I would just, oh, yeah, I do. I do. Man, we need those people in our life. Don't do this alone. You are not alone. If anything, you just, you have, look around you. You have an auditorium of people that are here for you. And honestly, one of the things that I've been praying probably since January or whenever Pastor Craig first asked me to do this is that you, one, you would walk out of here on the road to victory, but two, that if you're on the road to victory, that God would, would place somebody in your life. Put a, put a name in your head or somebody that you just cannot get out of your mind that you need to be in battle for. That you need to be coming alongside. So if over the past couple of weeks or past months, you've had like this, I just can't get this person off my mind. Don't deny that. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That is God saying, go to that person. Even if you have no earthly idea what they're going through, go to them and just say, hey, I want to cheer you on. How can I cheer you on today? And maybe you know somebody going through a battle. And show up in the morning on their front lawn with a sign that says, go, Morgan, you got this today. Like, how awesome would that be? You get to start the day by walking out your front door and someone's like cheering you on. Or you show up to their work and you bring them a coffee and just like, I'm praying for you today. You got this. You got this. The victory isn't yours. It's God's and he got this for you. And we're cheering you on. So I just want to, I want to just close by praying over you and we're going to jump into a worship song to kind of seal this time of victory. But would you just, would you stand this morning? And... I'm going to pray, but if, you're, if you are on the road to victory, you're in that season and you're loving life and God is doing some amazing things, but you know somebody that isn't, I want you to pray for them during this time. And if they're here, at some point today, even, even as we enter into the time of worship, go find them. You don't have to even say anything. Just give them a hug. Put your arm around their shoulder. Be that army with them and for those of you that walked in and you just you had the weight of the world on your shoulders and you walked in and you honestly just wanted to quit you just want to give up you're tired you're sick of it you're over it I'm over it don't give up because the battle is not yours it's the Lord's You have to see that. You continue on your knees and you fight and you continue to go out to the front lines and you continue to do the battle. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I just, I thank you for 
this opportunity to bring your word into this place. And Lord, we thank you that that you've given us the victory, that you are a God of victory, and that when we give our battles to you, it's over. And so this morning, I pray for those folks that have walked in today in the midst of it, and they're just, they're tired. They're tired. It feels like they marched all night and fought for two days straight. God, I got to believe that you gave Joshua some supernatural energy, that your Holy Spirit was with him during that time. And I pray that that same spirit would be with the folks that are struggling this morning, with the folks that are in the midst of the battle this morning. Wherever it is, I don't know all the circumstances, but your spirit does. You do. Lord, and I just, I pray against the lie that we're alone. In the name of Jesus, I break that off. You are not alone this morning. God, would you break that off? And those that have been struggling and no one really even knows about it, would you break off shame or guilt or whatever it is that's holding them back from allowing others to fight for them, fight alongside them? And that through that, they would regain strength. They would regain energy, Lord. We thank you for the road to victory. Lord, we love you. We love you, and we we thank you for victory, and we give you our battles this morning. We pray this in Jesus.